Welcome everyone to the comments section. I'm Tim K. This is a podcast where we talk to the anonymous trolls of philosophy kings, the knowledgeable insiders. I am very smart as guy tier shit posters on the topical issues of the week. This week we're talking to Don't Inquire, otherwise known as Red Shirt Guy 2.0, about his comments at BlizzCon, and we're going to talk to him about those things right about now. Hey, uh, just was wondering, is this uh, an out-of-season April Fool's joke? Uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a fully, uh, fully fledged uh, Diablo experience. On, That's on You mobile, Don't Inquire at BlizzCon. And, and he's talking to a panel of producers from Blizzard Entertainment. They just released a new mobile game called Diablo Immortal. They had been promising Diablo fans something very special in the franchise uh, to be released at this convention. Needless to say, You Don't Inquire uh, wasn't very pleased, nor was the rest of the crowd. Uh, everybody was pretty let down. It became a very big viral moment for Don't Inquire. Uh, and he's gone on to do several interviews. Um, people refer to him uh, lovingly as Red Shirt Guy because that's all they knew about him when they could see him uh, pose this question to the panel. The aftermath of that question has been a series of terrible, terrible PR pieces about Diablo Immortal and uh, Blizzard's relationship to their fans. Uh, so today I get to interview uh, You Don't Inquire. I know the internet refers to him as Red Shirt Guy, but his internet moniker across all his platforms is Don't Inquire. Uh, that is what he prefers to be called, so that's what we're going to call him. I got some new equipment in the studio recently, and in setting it up before this interview, I must have made some kind of mistake because the Audio quality of this is really subpar to my other episodes, so I do apologize in advance. I did a lot of editing for this. Uh, I had to do go through a bunch of different uh, EQs and compressors to try to make it sound as legible as possible. Uh, so you will know that the audio quality is kind of subpar in this episode. I apologize for that. Uh, but moving past that, uh, here is the interview with Don't Inquire. So let me get a little bit of your background. Where are you from and uh, what do you do? Sure. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, an engineer, build servers, and I'm um, 33, and I like video games. So do you have any uh, professional relationship to video games? No, I operate in a completely separate area professionally. It's purely been a hobby for me. So where was BlizzCon this year? BlizzCon's held in Anaheim, California every year. So what dragged you out to Anaheim? Was it really just a pure passion for games, or was there something specific about BlizzCon that made you want to go there? Of course, dude. I've been to four BlizzCons. This is number right. four. So okay. I've been to three previous BlizzCons. You know, you meet... I started playing World of Warcraft in 2004, and I gotcha. met my internet friends in 2005 playing that game, and I've known them for years and years, and BlizzCon was a great way to, like, go meet up with them, okay. hang out, you know, play games and chat, meet up, and then also kind of celebrate our love for Blizzard games, because I love Blizzard games for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. So you were hyped about Diablo before you got there? Of course I was hyped about Diablo before I got there. They made a forum post in August saying, get yeah. hyped about Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And then, uh, then they ruined it and made a blog post a week before and said, don't be so hyped about Diablo. All right. <laughs> They're trying to backtrack. Yeah. So what did you expect? Uh, this to be you know you went there you thought okay they're going to do something with Diablo um, from your point of view what did you think might happen so the options were fairly limited limited I thought maybe an expansion pack for Diablo 3 maybe like a class character pack for the Druid maybe uh, Diablo 2 remaster maybe a Netflix series mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe even like a fun little spin-off game but not like this you know maybe mm-hmm. something like cool and interesting that had like different gameplay and was maybe just a fun little passion project so if you could just explain in your opinion what is wrong with this mobile game and why is it so disappointing to so many people and yourself specifically (laughs) how much time you got so this mobile game in particular missed on a a just about every single way that that you could uh, shoot yourself in the foot in terms of like a product reveal Mm -hmm. this this missed so in you know 22 years I've been a Blizzard fan. I've never seen another company's logo get equal billing to Blizzard's. And so when the trailer comes up, boom, Netty's right up there with Blizzard's logo. So you know they're not working on it. You know, number two, the gameplay looked like any other hack and slash on a phone. Number three, they had a Chinese guy talking and speaking in Chinese at the panel to a North American, largely English-speaking audience. Um, they... They were like hyped up about this mobile game, but BlizzCon is like 99% hardcore PC gamers. Like those mm-hmm. are the people who attend. So it was, you know, we weren't the right audience. Um, and of the intellectual properties that Blizzard has in its arsenal, they've got like Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo. Well, Diablo is pretty much the most mature of those. It has the darkest themes and world and, you know, enemies and so it was absolutely the wrong choice to be like we're gonna make a game for everyone to play like this is not the property to do that with and then the genre of game you know it was identical to the previous entry in Diablo 3 which they released six years ago it looked identical like if you just if I just took a screenshot of the game without any of the UI elements and then I took one of Diablo 3 you may not be able to tell the difference between mm-hmm. the, the two so it was uninspired it looked like a watered down version of their existing game um, and then mobile, like, who wants to spend a five-hour play session sitting on their phone, mm-hmm. you know, playing a Diablo game? I'm going to sit here on my $400 phone in front of my $2,000 computer mm-hmm. and strain my neck and cramp my hands, you know, playing a Diablo game. It just – and they, the, it was the wrong genre again because, you know, a lot of games have traction on mobile and work really well. Base-building games, tower defense games, uh, you know, puzzle games, match-three games will all work really well on phones, something like Warcraft – you could throw on there and say, here's a base building game. You know, it was just, it was the wrong type of game even to put on a mobile device, period. And in addition to that, they were like, it's all story driven. Well, the worst thing about Diablo 3 was the story. It was one of the largest complaints. Um, they totally ruined the storytelling. So it was a complete fiasco in every conceivable way. And they also, the, the way that they kind of you know, do you guys not have phones? Like, oh, of course we have phones. That's it doesn't mean I want to sit yeah. on it for eight hours a day. So you actually got to play this game at BlizzCon. You got to sample it, right? I did indeed play the game. At- was it as disappointing as you thought it was going to be? It wasn't disappointing to me because it was a mobile game. Just okay. to clarify on that point, the disappointment was largely the shift in Blizzard Entertainment's philosophy about developing and releasing video games okay and hold on just a second sure sorry i got my daughter hey go get mama go get mama 
Jeez Louise. Um, <laughs> it, it represented a shift in their paradigm, the way that they approach video game design, because if you look at all of their other projects across all of their other uh, you know, intellectual property for the last 20 years, none of their projects look like any of their other projects, mm-hmm. right? Diablo 2 does not look like Diablo 3. Warcraft does not look like Starcraft, et cetera, et cetera. And in this case, um, it looked identical to the previous entry in the franchise, so much to the point that, like, if you didn't see UI elements, you would think... Actually, even seeing UI elements, you'd still think this is a port, like they were porting their last game uh, to mobile devices. And so I think in... The, the largest disappointment was that they just made the same damn game so uninspired. Blizzard, Blizzard is like an expert at refining things to perfection. They take all of the best concepts. You know, they played EverQuest, and they played RuneScape, and they played all of the Lineage, Dark Age of Camelot. They played all these old-school MMO games, plus Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, plus Magic the Other. And then they all get in a room together, and they're like, how do we make our version? the penultimate best version of this and then boom World of Warcraft comes out of that discussion mm-hmm. and it, it's like it blows people away it launches gaming more into mainstream culture and makes it more acceptable to be playing on a computer because parents are playing it kids are playing it teenagers adults you know and so you look at a game like Diablo Mobile Immortal like all I could think of when I look at this game is that this looks like the result of a discussion about how to market the game to the largest quantity of people possible and not how to make the best game possible or do Blizzard's unique take on a specific type of game. Do you think that this game is going to be a financial success? Do you think it's going to make Blizzard money? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it will make it. It will print money. I have no doubt that it will be a financial success. Okay. But you it think... Well-received. Critics might even like it. Users sure. might play it. Okay. A lot of fans online will say things like, the best way to make my voice heard, the best way to vote is with my wallet. Um, from that point of view, uh, is it you know is Blizzard doing anything wrong? No, I, I don't think anyone begrudges a company for mm-hmm. doing whatever they want with their business, for making whatever product that they want to make. That's... They can make mobile games. They can make crappy ports of their existing franchises. They can run the beloved game series that they have that I've, you know, grew up playing for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They can run them all under the ground. They're a business. They have that right. I can't tell them what products to make. The reaction that I had and that the community at large was feeling is that they called us to a convention to celebrate our love of their product lineup as a community mm-hmm. and then they announced a product that was not at all intended for us to play whatsoever because we're not Chinese children. Okay. And I think that was the major disconnect in terms of like the announcement of this game. We were not the audience for it. Gotcha. They would have been so much better off announcing it and releasing it in China and not even mentioning it in North America. So the questions at that panel were pre-screened, correct? That is correct. So at what point did you decide, um, I'm, I'm going to ask my question instead, and I'm going to kind of shove it in their face that they you know, gave us a bogus product here? Probably right after the opening ceremony concluded and they announced the game. So I were, immediately thought, I, I'm going to up for the QA. So you were pre-screened before that, or you just kind of fibbed when you went to the pre-screening and told them your question? I decided I'm going to ask something controversial. I don't know what, right after the opening ceremony. But after the opening ceremony, 
had to walk over to the mythic stage sit down they did a panel on it for like half an hour then they opened up q a oh, okay and as the panel progressed i was just more and more and more disappointed <laughs> angry really angry more yeah. than anything and i was just sitting there with my friends ranting about that this is just bullshit and then thinking uh you know i gotta go up there and ask something mm -hmm. i don't know what but i gotta get up there i gotta go get in line so i got up in line and i had no idea what to ask but i knew what i, I knew what it, the, i knew the feeling i wanted to convey mm -hmm. even though i didn't know what i would say were you nervous uh a little bit nervous uh not terribly nervous i just i the, the really the emphasis was mad it was just yeah mad. <laughs> you did look pretty confident and uh angry in the video i was very I was so incredibly angry that's the result of like passion and in, you know and love just betrayal thrown right at it and then yeah. 20 minutes later that's the face you're making did you get any negative treatment while you were at blizzcon after you asked that question no not even not even remotely exactly. literally everyone at blizzcon was amazing and this i will say includes i'm gonna say at least 10 different blizzarded employees that mm -hmm. came up and talked to me Death Saving Bros is an actual play, 5th edition, Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode follows the exploits of our adventurers in the realm of Ralveria. I'm just going to shoot the guy closest. Not the guy closest to you. Let's reiterate, the closest bad guy. I mean, why would you put a minecart and not expect us to instantly want to ride it? New episodes are released every Tuesday, so tune in via your podcasting app of choice for an epic quest you won't forget. Everybody is to hear the magic that is going to be created right now. So what about the internet response to all of this? Um, did you think that there'd be, you know, any big response to this at all? Uh, did you think there'd maybe be a couple tweets about it? Or did you kind of just kind of expect to go home and uh, continue your life? I knew when I got up out of my chair that if I got up to the mic and I asked something, depending on my tone, my inflection, my phrasing, whether or not I was positive or negative, I knew that it could potentially blow up and that millions of people would see it so i was aware that the possibility existed i honestly when i when i was up at the mic i was like i'm either going to get booed and like maybe a couple of people will comment about what well, that guy's an ass yeah or people might cheer and um uh, twitch streamers are going to be like you know clipping this and, and talking right. about it yeah so i definitely knew that the possibility existed mm -hmm. It was, I guess, just as, as a fan, as a diehard, flew across the country, like my kids, right, my yeah. parents are watching my kids, kind of individual, spent all this money in a hotel. Uh, I just I just had to express the, the pure, raw, visceral disappointment that I felt at sure. this just shitty announcement. So what do you think that Blizzard could do now to sort of um, make up uh, for this game either now or five years down the line now that they've taken such a gigantic PR hit? Uh, I think uh, the way that I feel now is that the magic is gone. I don't think the way that they responded to my question in the, in the backlash and the PR nightmare mm -hmm. was more telling uh than anything else so the way they had a press conference about it talked to the media about it and that was much more revealing than anything else they have more unannounced projects in the works than the, their entire history they are working on mobile games across all of their ips which is just terrible if all like 
they had said all of their top developers are moving to mobile. They said that all of their employees are playing more and more mobile games. So the culture at Blizzard has shifted internally. They can't come back and make a great Diablo 4 game. They don't have the talent uh, to do it. They just don't. Like the people that would do it and do it really well are now making, uh, you know, Candy Crush StarCraft. So okay. there's just, I, I don't think it's recoverable. If the, the way to recover is to announce that they have canceled their plans for like, I don't know, five of their six mobile projects and that they've scrapped plans for two or three other projects. Mm-hmm. And that now as a company, they're working on two things or three th- like just you know the more products you have the lower the quality will be of each of the projects because you're spreading out expertise and talent and passion across multiple things you know if mm-hmm. the guy making Diablo is also making Starcraft is also making Warcraft is like he can't all of those projects cannot simultaneously be his best effort Right. right, and in the same way, an organization, your absolute best effort cannot be 15 different products at once. If you're making 15 different products at once, that is a tacit admission that at least a handful of them are going to suck. Okay, and, and not necessarily suck, but at least not be close to like the level of quality like that people might anticipate from your yeah. product line. What kind of smaller game studios do you think that Blizzard fans are going to migrate to now that Blizzard has become something different? I think if you're a hardcore diehard Blizzard fan, you're probably also playing other games from other developers, Mm -hmm. right? And you have been for years. It's more that if you track my time played across my gaming history for the last 22 years, Blizzard Entertainment wins by a wide margin, by like a ludicrous amount, by thousands and thousands of hours, right? And so... This is the reason for that passion and that intensity is that it's not that I'm not playing Path of Exile yeah. and it's not that I'm not playing a game like Grim Dawn, Torchlight or, uh, you know, EverQuest 2, whatever. I'm playing these other games from these other developers, but there's a certain kind of Blizzard magic that really keeps you engaged with their game for longer play sessions, for longer period of time overall, that you keep coming back for more. Mm-hmm. And I think people are just going to probably spread out their time more among more developers because there's no there's no wow you know there's no world of warcraft competition for an mmo that is that was the penultimate mmorpg and until something else at that level comes along and dethrones it i don't think there will be competition in that space for that level of commitment from that quantity of people but you know to circle back around other games like uh, Path of Exile, the grinding your game studios making, that's their one product and they're all focused, laser focused on making that the best thing. So Diablo fans are going to be playing the hell out of that game. Mm-hmm. You know, studio making Grim Dawn, people are going to be playing that game. So it's just, the, the question is really, can another developer have the magic that Blizzard used to have? I don't know, maybe. So you don't see any game studios on the horizon that are really doing what Blizzard did uh, back when you loved them the most? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I mean, there are some amazing games out there. There are some amazing game studios. But I can't think of a company that just whammed you with StarCraft, Warcraft, Diablo. I mean, these games, these games set the standard 
for everyone else in the industry making a video game, mm-hmm. they said, here is the bar. And like, this is your goalpost now. No other company has done that across multiple intellectual properties and multiple iterations. You know, the, the action RPG and the MMO RPG and the real-time strategy genre. I mean, they dominated all three of those. You know, and everybody else, like you got your Westwood Studios, they're making Command and Conquer. They didn't make Command and Conquer and also compete with, uh, you know, they were competing with StarCraft and Warcraft. They didn't also compete with Diablo and they didn't also compete with World of Warcraft. So it's, I don't know if anybody has that Blizzard magic or uh, certainly it can happen again. It just, I, I don't see it on the horizon necessarily. But there are companies who are making amazing products in sure. one specific area, but not like, they are now the gold standard for the entire industry in multiple respects. A lot of companies kind of go through this cycle where um, they get almost too big for themselves. Their fan base is huge. uh, And then they sort of become an ugly version of themselves later on. And I don't just mean this for Blizzard and gaming companies, Star Wars and Star Trek, uh, other franchises, even things like Reddit and Facebook, you know, they, they reach a peak and then inevitably they sort of, their fan base kind of turns on them. And I wonder like what uh, the fan base, like what could consumers do differently to halt that sort of inevitable march of companies um, into the place that Blizzard seems to have gone? Fans cannot do anything. If you are working on a project and you have a team of people and you are meeting in someone's apartment and you're not sure how any of you are going to make any money and you don't know how you're all going to pay your rent, then you have a drive to make the best product imaginable far more than anybody who's making $300,000 a year, $500,000 a year, who is leading a team of a hundred people. They could not possibly match your level of drive and ambition and intensity and focus. Like, I I think that wealth blurs the lines for people. It's like a lot of times you'll hear the, the saying that, you know, they forgot where they came from when someone becomes a celebrity mm-hmm. uh, or they get rich. They forget where they came from. I don't necessarily know that people deliberately forget where they came from. It's more that that level of wealth and success alters your perceptions as an individual and you lose touch with your value system i mean i i stopped looking hold on a second sorry (laughs) sorry phone ringing i stopped looking at the price of gas after a few uh you know salary raises sure career i don't look at the price of gas anymore i don't it doesn't matter to me if it's two dollars or three dollars a gallon it's not relevant you know, I bought my groceries online and there's a $5 fee. I don't care if milk is $3 or $4. It's not, I didn't like try to lose touch with who I was or where I was. I just was lean and scrappy when I was young and I was hungry and I had to make things work with less and I had to just innovate and do the best that I could. But once mm-hmm. the resources are abundant, I think it's a universal, you know, probably phenomenon that just, if you just have a comfy life, no matter, even if your project sucks and everybody hates it, you're still getting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a great retirement. You got a 401k. You're going to feed your family. Like, how can you be competitive with a person? Look at, look at Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas. All right. I know okay. I'm going way off the rails here. Yeah. Buster <laughs> Douglas, 
Buster Douglas's mom died, and he was he wanted it. He was intense and passionate, and he was scrappy. He was never a better boxer than Mike Tyson. He never okay. was. But at a period in a, in his life where he was, he was so passionate and intense and driven and focused. And Mike Tyson is like. You know, he's already successful. He's made it. Doesn't you know? He doesn't have to train. He doesn't have to put in the work. He's just great when he walks into the ring. Period. Nobody expected him to lose, right? That's why mm-hmm. the odds were you know forty to one or whatever. But this is what happens. It's a universal phenomenon. If you're met with fame and success and wealth, everything becomes easier in your life. It's difficult to get into that mentality that you may have had back when things were difficult, where you really have to do your best in every regard. Otherwise, you're not going to survive. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I'll go off the rails with you. I like to rant. But that's, that's fine. good for thought on that front. I want to ask you about the downsides of being virally famous. The internet refers to you as red shirt guy. Uh, from their perspective, it's a term of endearment. But I imagine that from your perspective, it might be kind of reductive. Do you find that this particular 15 minutes of fame um is a little disappointing or is it a little claustrophobic what is the downside of becoming virally famous i think the downside to being famous on the internet is is always going to be um a balance of privacy mm-hmm. versus publicity and then of course the the kind of the way people feel about you can turn Okay. So the scary thing is they they love me today, but if I do anything wrong, right, uh, the it's even perceived as wrong, then they'll hate me, and, they, and there will be millions of them, yeah. you know. And so that's kind of the scary thing. And being compared to uh, Ian, that that guy is a sweetheart. I love him. I thought he was hysterical when I saw him at the first BlizzCon QA where he asked the infamous lore question. I thought that guy is awesome. Like he's just a fan. He's passionate. He's intense. He really cares. You know about these characters and their worlds, and mm-hmm. I'm a little more like gameplay. I just want the game to be good, so I'm not. I don't have the, like the lore concerns that he does, but I, I respected that he got up there, even though he was nervous, and he just he really wanted to know, you know, what he wanted to ask. So I have no problem being compared to him at all. The guy's a sweetheart, you know, okay. and I think he's sincere and earnest and honest. And so yeah, I like the moniker redshirt guy. You know, the good parts are that a lot of people hundreds of people across all the social media calling me a hero and a legend and i don't necessarily consider myself a hero and a legend right i probably perceive myself more as just a very frustrated disappointed fan Mm -hmm. like everyone else but uh no i enjoy it i like interacting with people i'm a very active redditor i like posting online and and, you know meeting new people playing games and talking Mm -hmm. to people so i i don't mind it at all um you know my only concern is that there's a balance between notoriety and privacy right. and making sure that I don't and, well I can't make sure of anything hoping that I don't get doxxed or hacked or fired or whatever just as a result of asking a question at a QA panel Thank you for listening, everybody. That has been the comments section. I'm Tim K. Don't forget, you can find our episodes on iTunes. You can find them on Google Play. You can find them on Blueberry. Uh, You can find them almost anywhere. So go ahead and look for them wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. 
It is the little blue logo that says the comment section. Thank you again to our guest, Don't Inquire. He was such a nice guy to come on our very small podcast and uh, lend us some of his internet fame for the moment. Don't forget to tune in to my next episode where we are going to be talking to people about the casting controversy over the Witcher franchise on the new Netflix series. I'm Tim Kay, and this has been The Comment Section.